This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Another exciting week of college football in the books. Week 9 of the NFL season concluding tonight with Monday Night Football. And here at Saturday Sunday, we are excited to break it all down. Last week, we brought you a special NFL trade deadline dynasty edition where we kind of put the NFL draft and the college football landscape on pause for a week because there was so much to digest from the NFL draft, uh, from the NFL trade deadline from all perspective on the field dynasty but this week we're going to get back into the saddle and really just focus on college football for the whole episode so this is going to be a 100% NFL draft stock report edition where we're going to kind of see where things stand as now we have now turned the pages into November uh college football season slowly but surely is now on the back third of the season with November and then, you know, championship week and then obviously the bowls. So we are now in the final third of that college football season. And it's really time to start taking inventory about where things stand with some of these top prospects, kind of make out who are the guys that we think could be in the mix right now, you know, in terms of round one, day two, you know, from the skill position, how things have changed since the season started, uh, and this past weekend, big, big weekend of college football. You had Tennessee, Georgia. You had Alabama, LSU. I mean, two monster games there. Georgia showing their dominance and defeating Tennessee. Uh, Alabama probably added a mix now, stunningly, with their second loss now. Uh, we probably are going to have a college football playoff without Alabama, and, and that is just stunning. Uh, but let's kind of break it all down. And, and over the last seven to 10 days, two of the the best in the, in terms of the draft industry put out a big board and put out rankings, uh, you know, positional rankings. And I think it kind of starts to set the stage a little bit in terms of how the NFL might be viewing these guys because Mel Kuyper, Dame Brugler, you know, say what you want about Mel Kuyper, but he still has tremendous amounts of sources. He talks to a lot of people. I think his intel is good. And Dane Brugler, you know, who we've had on the show here many times, uh, he's as good as there is in terms of a talent evaluator who's in the media specter of of uh, the NFL draft and NFL draft Twitter and all that space. So when these guys are, are putting things out there, yeah, Dane in particular, I think it is his own takes and his opinions, but I think he also has a lot of ears to the ground and he's hearing a lot of things that, that kind of help drive at times certain aspects, uh, you know, in terms of being on the ballpark of, of where guys may be looked at in terms of the NFL. And I think Kuiper really has a lot of sources been doing as long as he's been doing it uh, has good Intel in terms of NFL people. So it's really interesting to kind of look at their rankings, see some similarities, see some differences, and then also tie it together to some things we saw this past weekend. So let's start the quarterback position. Uh, this past weekend, Hendon Hooker finally struggled. Uh, potentially, you know, this could be the, the week that he lost the Heisman. Tennessee could not get much going against Georgia in that stifling defense. He was 23 of 33, 195 yards and an interception, no touchdowns. 
when you watch Hooker play, there's a lot of things to like about him. His athleticism, his arm talent is good. Uh, his ability to play off structure, in structure, improvise. But what you do see is that the offense there is very simple and simplistic. A lot of half field reads, a lot of get the ball out quick. If your first or second read is not there, just take off and run. Keep things very simple. And we saw Georgia just confuse him, confuse that Tennessee offense, overwhelm them. Uh, so we saw Hooker bring back down to reality. I find it interesting that Hooker on Mel Kuyper's list, uh, list was his fifth-ranked quarterback. And for Dane, he was number 46 on his top 50 big board. This was prior to this past weekend. So it wasn't like even with the season he was having – Neither of these guys were putting these guys up there as 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 him as Hooker as being a lock first round type talent. You know, Dane just had him sneaking in his top fifty. Kuiper had him as his fifth rated quarterback. You know, hard to know if we think that's you know someone he thought would be a first round type player or not. But then this is also prior to this week happening. So Hooker is one of those guys who I think is elevated himself to be a day two prospect, and I think his age. And the scheme that he's asked to run is going to hurt him a little bit. So I'm not sure he makes it to round one. We'll see if Tennessee, you know, can make some noise, you know, later in the year and maybe give him another opportunity against, you know, a major opponent. But I think right now Hooker's elevated stock from a day three intriguing developmental type player, even at his age, to be a guy that could go on day two and be of intrigue to an NFL team. So that's kind of where we are with Hendon Hooker right now. I still want to do a little bit of a deeper dive, but I, I feel like I kind of have a, a pretty good grasp watching enough Tennessee games, even on TV, in terms of what his strengths are, his athleticism, his ability to, to play off structure, his, his accuracy, his ball placement, his decision-making. But then the concerns are, can he handle pressure in terms of making full field reads? You know, what happens when his first read or second read isn't there? Uh, do we is there enough on film of him doing full field progressions? Because I think a lot of it is very half field reads, which we know at the NFL level just doesn't fly. You know, if you want to be an upper echelon elite level quarterback, but Hooker is a guy who I think has moved his way into the, the definitive day two mix. Uh, round two somewhere, and we'll see kind of how the rest of this year plays itself out. Uh, another top quarterback really struggled this week, and that was C.J. Stroud. It was a win game versus Northwestern, but Ohio State was favored to him by like over 30 points. He was 10 of 26 for 76 yards. I'll say this about that. I don't want to take the weather into it too much in terms of knocking him on this one game. Uh, Mel Kuyper has C.J. Stroud as his number one ranked quarterback. Dane Brugler has him as his number two quarterback, and he has him 10th overall on the big board. There's lots of things to like about C.J. Stroud. Natural passer, he's probably the best in the class. But that's provided that he's got a clean pocket. That's provided that he can play in structure. That's provided that, you know, he's got guys getting open. And when everything is perfect, he is as good of a passer as we've seen come out in quite some time. The problem is, is when he faces pressure, when he's asked to play off structure, when he's asked to be a problem solver and improvise, we just have seen him have some struggles and difficulties, and we haven't seen him really rise up too much. Uh, we've seen moments of it, him throwing on the run earlier in the year. I forget what team they were playing. We saw some glimpses of it, but the, it, not a lot of consistency with Stroud showing that he could handle. Like If he got put behind a poor offensive line, 
you know, could he make things happen? Could he be that problem solver type player? You know, his athleticism is average at best. He doesn't really like to utilize it on the football field. So this game stands out because Ohio State struggled so much, even though they came with victory and, and there was weather. But I also this thing brings up a larger question is that Stroud seemed like a little bit of a cleaner prospect when the year started. But I think there's some significant questions as we're seeing more and more in the NFL. It's not just about playing the natural quarterback position anymore, going through progressions and accuracy. It's about being a problem solver. It's about creating and improvising and, and making plays on the run. Like we're seeing Justin Fields really start to come into his own. And everything that we liked about Justin Fields is starting to come to fruition. His athleticism, his running ability, his ability to improvise, his ability to play off script, his ability to throw on the run, buy time in the pocket. We're seeing all of that. And we don't, you know, we're seeing guys like Mac Jones struggle in year two after he was kind of like that little outlier last year of a of a traditional more pocket passing style quarterback having some, some success because we just haven't seen a lot of young guys come into the league. So I think C.J. Stroud is going to be an interesting case study because he's more of that traditional pocket passing quarterback. But in the NFL level, at the NFL, they really are looking for guys who can be problem solvers and do a lot of different things. And Stroud is yet to show that. So I think that's a really interesting one to see kind of what the NFL thinks of him. Uh, the other guy who's been consistently at the top of quarterback rankings is Bryce Young. Alabama suffered their second loss this past week to LSU. Bryce Young was pretty ho-hum, 25 of 51 for engine, 28 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, I will say this about Bryce Young. There are definitely limitations of his game, right? The size, uh, the frame, those are legitimate concerns. He's got average arm talent, maybe above average. It's not great. It's not elite. It's, he doesn't have this great velocity or anything like that. But what Bryce Young does bring to the table, and this is where he is superior, I think, to C.J. Stroud, is his ability to improvise, his ability to be a problem solver on the football field. He runs as a last resort, but I think he's got he's definitely got more athleticism and quickness than, than Stroud. But he knows how to use that athleticism that he does have to buy time in the pocket, to slide left, slide right, step up and then solve problems, throw from different arm angles. Whatever it has to be done, I feel like Bryce Young is finds solutions to the problems and the difficulties that the defenses are putting at him. So it, it's interesting to see him as Dane's number one quarterback, third overall in, the, in his top 50, but then the third quarterback for Mel Kuyper. So definitely a little of a disconnect there between Bryce Young in terms of of where he's ranked on, on, on these two uh, you know high-profile draft guys in terms of their the ranking on Bryce Young. But I will say, this quarterback class as a whole, as we're starting to see it, there's questions about Hooker, right? There's questions about Bryce Young from the size and the frames and the arm talent. There's the next guy up, Will Levis. You know, Kuiper really likes him. He has him as number two quarterback. Uh, Dane has him at number 23 in his top 50 big board. This past week, he was 13 of 19 versus Missouri, 170 yards and three touchdowns. I heard some people kind of throwing out there with like Daniel Jones, and I could kind of see that. Kentucky is not loaded besides Wendell Robinson. No one else is going on to the NFL in terms of their their pass catchers. And when you watch Levis play, he has a hard time, I think, elevating the guys around him. But you see the raw tools. You see the size. You see the frame. You see the, the arm talent. You see... The athleticism, everything you hear about him, you know, is high level character, work ethic, stuff like that. So Levis is going to be interesting because I feel like his play has been rather pedestrian this year. He's had some good moments, some eh, some in the middle. But I, I do feel like a team is going to look at the overall package 
and still be intrigued with him, right? Just like the Giants were enamored with Daniel Jones, if, if you're to believe what was out there. There were other teams, the Commanders, you know, had interest in him that year, and I'm sure other teams as well. And, and I think teams are going to like Will Levis, but I don't know. Like, we once upon a time thought there could be three quarterbacks in the top five. Now I'm wondering, you know, how many of any of these guys go in the top five or top ten, or do they get pushed down the board a little bit? Because I do think there are questions about each of these guys. Uh, after that, you know, Anthony Richardson this past week had a really good game against Texas A&M, 201 passing yards, two touchdowns, 78 yards on the ground. I found it interesting that Mel Kuyper had him as his fourth-ranked quarterback. I feel like, you know, I'm a big believer in Anthony Richardson. I've had him pretty high all year uh, because of the tools. You know, if we're talking about Will Levis and tools, I think we should be talking about, you know, Anthony Richardson tools because he's probably got the best tools of any draft-eligible quarterback prospect, but we know there's a lot of inconsistency. We know there's a lot of development and growth still needed. But, you know, Kuyper having him at four, I think, speaks volumes. Having the head of Hendon Hooker. I think says that he he's hearing from enough people in the NFL circles that the NFL is intrigued by him, rightfully so. We still don't know if Richardson will even come out. He, you know, he's got you know eligibility left. He can go back to college. Uh, he was not on Dane's top fifty. He was not on his top fifteen players that just missed his top fifty. So Dane is not looking at Anthony Richardson right now as like a top sixty-five type prospect yet. Uh, but we'll see. So I thought that was interesting with Richardson, who, who did come off one of his best performances this past weekend uh, with Florida's big win over Texas A&M. Uh, if we look at the rest of Kuyper's list, it was CJ Stroud at one, Levis two, Bryce Young three, Anthony Richardson four, Hendon Hooker five. He had Bo Nix all the way up at six out of Oregon. Uh, Bo Nix is a guy who is highly decorated recruit. I think he was a number one quarterback prospect out of his high school class. Uh very inconsistent, you know, at his previous stops. But now he's at Oregon. He's really put it together this year. This past week, 20 of 24, 274 yards and two touchdowns. I still can't get over the other film from his past years. And I have a hard time thinking he's more than a Dave Bree type prospect, but he is having a really strong year. He does have that pedigree as being a five-star recruit. So maybe Nix is, is changing the narrative a little bit. He'd be definitely a little bit lower on my quarterback ranks. Uh, but it's interesting to kind of see where Kuiper has him. Again, saying that there might be some that have intrigue with him in the NFL circles. And I think it comes straight down to he's got the size, he's got the frame, he's got some athleticism, he's got arm talent. It's always been the progressions, decision-making, the, you know, the ball placement, the accuracy. He's cleaned that up a lot this year. And now he's putting it together where now glimpses of why he was the number one high school, you know, quarterback recruit. We're starting to see that a little bit. So how high can he elevate his draft stock, you know, in his final year here is, is something to really follow closely, you know, during the home stretch of this college football season. And then probably, you know, somewhere when the all-star psych, uh, all-star games uh, in that pre-draft circuit there that they have, you know, can Nick's elevate his stock? We'll see. Kuiper had uh, Jerron Hall at BYU at number seven. I'm a big fan of his game. We've talked a lot about Hall. I think he's a guy who could be a day two guy, really intriguing. I like the athleticism. Uh, to me, he's like the reduced version of Bryce Young. He's a reduced version of like Russell Wilson. Like obviously to be at the level of either of those guys, you know, would take a lot. But in terms of stylistically how he plays, uh, he could run, but it's not like his, it's not what he wants to do first. Great touch and anticipation on his throws. He's got the arm talent. I, I like Jerron Hall 
Um, happy to see him there at number seven on Kuiper's list. He had Max Duggan out of TCU at number eight. That's an interesting name. He's not a guy I've had eyes on. So, you know, when I see him there on Kuiper's list at number eight, that's intriguing to me, especially over some of the guys he had him ahead of and some of the guys on his just missed outside the top 10. And he has Duggan at number eight. I think that says something. He's a guy I'm going to have to get some eyes on and get a better feel for his game. Obviously, I've watched TCU a little bit. Uh, I just really never thought to dig into him and, and think the NFL w- would be into him, but maybe it's something that I, I got a little, got to dig a little deeper. And he had Jane Daniels at number nine out of LSU. And that was prior to the big win this week against Alabama dual threat quarterbacks. You know, I could see, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, a team could be intrigued with Jaden Daniels, think they could do different things with him. You know, if they have an athletic mobile starting quarterback, they might think he can come in and at least keep that element of their offense that I could see him starting out as a number three and working his way to be a backup at the next level. Uh, you know, if, if we see Philip Walker have moments in the NFL, I think Jane Daniels could have moments, right? Uh, and, and that performance against Alabama will go a long way in people evaluating him and, and watching his film. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. Jeff and I talked about him a couple weeks ago. He rounded out Kuiper's top 10 at the quarterback position. He had Cameron Ward out of Washington State, who I like a lot. Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami, who we've talked a lot about. And Tanner McKee out of Stanford as his guys who just missed. So I would assume that's his 11, 12, and 13. Uh, what I found interesting was Dane really liked Tanner McKee before the season started at Stanford. He still has him at number 44 in his top 50 big board from last week. So for, for Dane, he's his number four quarterback, and he thinks he's an you know early to mid-second round type talent. For for Kuiper, you know, he has McKee as like his 13th quarterback, either his 11th, 12th, or 13th, because he's not even in his top 10. He's on the just miss section. So big disconnect there. Kuiper looks at him as maybe a day three a late day three type guy and Dane's looking at him right now as an early day two type player. So, you know, McGee is a guy who, you know, good ball placement, good touch anticipation, uh, not much in terms of athleticism, doesn't have a, a top level, you know, arm in terms of velocity and strength. Uh, I've been a little underwhelmed by him. I, I, I don't think I'd have him as low as Kuiper, but I definitely wouldn't has, have him as high as Dane has him. I think he'd be more of like a round three, round four type guy for me. I would definitely have Hendon Hooker ahead of him. I would definitely have Anthony Richardson ahead of him. I'd probably even have Jerron Hall ahead of him. And then maybe we'd be looking at like Tanner McKee after that. Uh, so that's kind of the quarterbacks that I wanted to get into from this past weekend, looking at Kuiper's list, looking at Dane's list. So let's take this over to the running back position. And at the running back position, uh, things that stood out this past week, Devin A. Chain, uh, 16 carries, 122 yards, and two touchdowns. Continues to show he can handle heavy workload. That's going to be big for his NFL cycle. I think he's squarely in the round two mix. Uh, looking at Kuiper and uh, Dame Brugler's big boards, they both have him as the third running back. Uh, Dane has him as his 35th overall player, so he thinks he's a borderline early second round talent. I can see that due to the explosiveness. Uh, and Kuiper has him as his third running back as well. So I think, you know, you're seeing A-Chain kind of solidify himself in, in that mix there. They both have B. John and Jameer Gibbs one, two. I think those guys have kind of maybe locked in the, that status. And it looks like A-Chain is really, you know, cementing his status maybe as the third best running back in this class. Uh, and anyone who's been listening here Saturday Sunday knows how big of a fan I am of him. Uh, both have B. John Robinson at number one. 
this past weekend, 209 yards and a touchdown. I'm not sure there's much more to say about B. John Robinson. To me, the package of what he offers athletically, while it's not Saquon, it's 80% of Saquon, like 85% of Saquon. I know I've heard Dane say, like, same thing people thought of Ezekiel Elliott. I, I don't know. I think B. John Robinson is more explosive than Ezekiel Elliott coming out. Uh, I think B. John Robinson, I, I'm more intrigued with B. John. Maybe he's not as natural runner as Ezekiel Elliott was coming out of Ohio State, but I think B. John is more explosive. I think he's more versatile in terms of his receiving ability than Ezekiel Elliott. So I think B. John Robinson is the best running back prospect coming out since Saquon. Uh, where he goes in round one, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think probably he'll go somewhere in like that 18 to like 25 mix just because I think people will devalue the position a little bit and he won't go in the top 10, even though he probably will be a top 10 talent in this draft class. Uh, both of them had Jameer Gibbs, who had another you know solid game this week for Alabama as their number two running back. Dane has him as his number 21st overall player. So Dane thinks he's worthy you know, being a top 32 guy, making him around one guy probably doesn't end up going around one. I could see him being the early portion. Listen, the default should be a lot of times these guys end up going early round two, right? We saw Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall go early round two. I could see this the, the same with Jameer Gibbs and Devin A. Chain. I think B. John Robinson goes round one. But you you look at Jameer Gibbs, and I'll continue to, to pound the table that I think he is very sim and very comparable and very similar to Austin Eckler. I think that's the apt comparison due to his athleticism, due to his size, his frame, how he plays, how good of a pass catcher he is. You know, I think Jameer Gibbs is, is the Austin Eckler comp. I think fits really well. So if a team thinks they're getting Austin Eckler, then he probably should go somewhere in the you know mid to late round one because he's an offensive weapon, not just a running back. Uh, Rounding out the guys who were in Dane's top 50, he had Zach Evans as his number 43rd player out of Ole Miss. You know, that Evans is an interesting one because Dane was really high on him. He was number two on his board pre-draft, I mean, pre-season. Uh, for me, he was in that like four or five mix. Uh, you know, Kuiper has him a little further down. He has him at number seven in, in his running back board. But I think Zach Evans is a guy who has a legit chance to go on day two, I would say somewhere you know, middle of round two to late round three. I know that's a pretty wide range right now. I think things will things will kind of solidify a little bit better. I think we'll have a better idea in terms of his draft capital once he tests. If he, if, you know, if he if he tests really well, if he, he closes out the year with another another big performance or two, uh, I think Zach Evans is somewhere mid round two to you know mid round three is probably where Zach Evans comes off the board, uh, and then he. Dane had Blake Corum as a guy who just missed his top 50. So I do think he thinks Blake Corum is definitely a day two type talent. Uh, I think he probably thinks he's more of a late two to, you know, the uh, late two or, or round three guy. What I found interesting was, was Kuiper didn't have him in his top 10. He had him as his third guy who just missed. So, I mean, so at the, at the somewhere 11, 12 or 13, you know, is kind of how Kuiper saw Blake Corum. And for Dane, he's clearly, I think, his RB5 right now, which I think is a little bit closer to what he is. I think guys like Tank Bigsby and Sean Tucker could be in the mix. But I could see Corum going as high as four or five, uh, you know, in terms of this running back class. I think the top three have kind of solidified, and I think it's kind of open a little bit there. You know, four, five, six, seven, I, I think that's a little bit up for grabs there. So, you know, Corum is a guy who, you know, continues to carry a heavy workload for Michigan, even at his size, you know, good pass catching. I think he's going to be guys more of a space player at the next level, but 
you know, more of a perimeter runner, but can definitely do some work inside as well. Love the pass catching ability. Uh, so Blake Corbin was a guy, a little bit of disparity between Dane and Mel's rankings there. Uh, what I found interesting in, in Mel's list was at number four, he had Zach Charbonnet, number five, Travis Dye, number six, Kendry Miller, before he had Zach Evans at seven, Sean Tucker at eight, uh, Dwayne McBride at nine, and Chase Brown at 10. Uh, Charbonnet, topic of conversation, continues to put up monster stats. I still just don't see it. I'm just not as high on him. Like, you know, I fourth is really high. Kuiper looks at him and then he thinks he's a mid-second round type guy, mid to late second round. He's not on Dane's top 50. He's not on his next 15 that missed. So Dane is seeing it more as, at best, he he must think he's either a third round type guy or a day-free type guy. And I think that's much more. To me, he's he's more of an early day-free guy. You know, Brian Robinson went late round three. Damian Pierce went round four. Zamir White went round four. To me, that's where Zach Charbonnet should go. Like, that's 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 the guys that I think he's comparable to from past draft classes. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he if he's a top 50 type player. I think maybe he could sneak in the end of round three, but I, I think more ticketed for round four. Uh, Kuiper a lot higher on him. I love seeing Travis Dye as, as Mel's number five running back, though, because Travis Dye is a guy who I was intrigued with since the summer. Love that he's finally getting an opportunity in USC. We've talked about him a lot this year, seizing control of that backfield. Pass catching ability to me, he's another space type player. Guy, you know, 14 touches, 10 catches, I mean, 10 rushes, four, five passes. You know, his way is best how to utilize Travis Dye. So I like that he, I think he'll be on that round three, round four bubble by the time draft night rolls around. Uh, I found Kendry Miller really intriguing. He's a new name that, you know, add him to the list. It's these TCU guys that Mel really likes. Talked about the quarterback before. Now the running back, he's six feet, 220. You know, he's had games 158 and one, 120 and one, 153 and two, 104 and two. He's had a couple other games over 100 as well. Monster year. I don't know a lot about his overall skill set. You know, I've watched TCU, but he wasn't a guy that was on my radar to to really take notes of. So I don't want to talk until I really get some closer eyes on him in terms of you know, how he wins, what type of player he is, but obviously the statistics have, have been great this year. So Kendry Miller coming in at number six on Mel's top 10 running back board was really eye-opening uh, to keep a close eye on him. We talked about Evans, the disparity between Mel and Dane there. I think Sean Tucker at eight is a little low. I watch him play. I think Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, I think he's more of, a, you know, around three, early round four type guy. Uh, I really like McBride at a UAB. Not sure he comes out. He's got some years of eligibility left, but he's a guy who I was a fan of in the summer. Chase Brown, we talked about him, what he's been doing there at Illinois. I think he's a day for type guy, but good to see him getting some national love there as well. I think I was more surprised with Mel's just missed than I was with some of the guys. And, and in turn, some of the guys he had in the top 10 compared to some of the guys he had just missed. He had just missed his top 10, Deuce Vaughn. I think Deuce Vaughn is a top six, top seven type running back in this draft class. I think he's going to go somewhere on day two, uh, part Darren Sproles, you know, part Tariq Cohen, you know, part Brian Westbrook. Like there's a lot of guys you could kind of compare him to. I love how he runs low center of gravity. I know he's small, but he's tough. He's a really good pass catcher, really quick feet, explosive ability in terms of making people miss. I like Deuce Vaughn's game. I think he should be higher. He had Eric Gray on his just miss. I think Eric Gray is another one of those guys who's going to be like a round four guy, but I like his ability to be effective player at the next level. Talked about Blake Corm already. He's got Roshan, uh, Roshan 
Rayshon Johnson out of Texas. We talked about him a little bit in the preseason. You know, B. John Robinson's backup, really intrigued by him. Uh, and then Jeff's guy, Mohamed Ibrahim out of Minnesota, was his fifth running back that just missed in terms of the top 10. So I think Mel's basically saying I think that, that top 10 is very condensed. Uh, with the, I mean, it's very hard to round out that top 10. So we had five guys that just missed. Uh, so my guess is there'll be a lot of shuffling and moving, you know, from five to 15 in Mel's rankings. Uh, and I would even say that I'm not even sure Charbonnet should be locked in there at number four. Let's take this to the wide receivers at the wide receiver position. Uh, things that stood out this past week, Zay Flowers continues to deliver six catches, 65 yards and two touchdowns, even though Jerkovic is having a really down year in terms of his NFL draft stock. Uh, Jalen Hyatt in that game against Georgia, seven catches, 68 yards. But I think it's more of a bigger picture. Jalen Hyatt's rise is not going away with just one you know, mediocre performance or poor performance from that Tennessee offense. I think Jalen Hyatt is squarely in the mix now as being a top three, top five type wide receiver in this draft class. Uh, I think you'll expect to hear his name in the top 50 picks for sure. Cedric Tillman, another guy, seven catches, 68 yards also uh, in that Tennessee game. Tillman is a guy who, when we thought he was going to be the guy getting all the attention in Tennessee offense, and then Jalen Hyatt's kind of stole the show. I still think Cedric Tillman is a round three, round four type guy. Uh, Mel might even think more highly of him, but I think he's a day two type guy. Uh, we'll see how he kind of rounds out this year. We'll see the position in between him and his teammate Jalen Hyatt there. will be interesting to follow. Keishon Booty in the upset, LSU upset in Alabama. Seven catches, 51 yards. I think Booty is going to be one of the hardest players to – really decipher where to put him because everyone looked at him as a lock first round type, maybe our wide receiver one in this draft class. And it's just not been a dominant type year from a guy you'd expect to see that from. I still think he's got a lot of talent and upside. So I think he'll still be squarely in the top 50 mix, maybe top 40. I think there'll be a lot of people who draw comparisons to, you know, George Pickens had all this talent, never put it all together, but still went pretty high in the NFL draft. Keishon Booty, same kind of thing, and maybe he even has more production than George Pickens, so I think he'll go higher than Pickens, but I, I do see that. I'm just not sure Booty is as refined as, as a player as Pickens. I thought Pickens was the best uh, pure X receiver in that class last year. Booty, I'm not sure where he's best at. He might be best in the slot. Uh, I'm not sure his natural position is that of a true outside X wide receiver, and, you know, that's kind of what this draft class is lacking a little bit. So those are the things that kind of stood out. If we look at, at Dane and Mel's list, let's start with Dane's list. He had six wide receivers in his top 50 with two just missing. So he had Quinton Johnson at TCU as his number 17th overall player. Jordan Addison uh, out of USC is number 18. He had Jackson Smith in the Jigba, who's pretty much had a lost season so far out of Ohio State at 26. He had Jalen Hyde, who we just talked about, at number 37. Keishan Booty at number 39. And then Rishi Rice, I know he's high on him. Really surprised to see him that high at number 48 on Dane's list. And then he had Cedric Tillman and Josh Downs uh, were 15 of his players just on the outside looking in of his top 50. So you look at that, and those eight names there kind of probably make up the guys that Dane thinks right now are worthy of round one, round two type draft capital. Uh Things that nothing really stands out. I could see Quinton Johnson being wide receiver one in this class. Jordan Addison makes sense there. Smith and the Jigba, Hyatt, Booty. Uh, I think Rishi Rice is a little high. I personally like Josh Downs more than him. And he does have Josh Downs as a guy who's probably pretty close. Uh, I would I would have Downs a little bit higher on that list uh, in my own personal ranks. But I, I do think he's a day two type guy, probably around two type talent. Uh, 
for Kuiper's list, he had Jordan Addison one, Jalen Hyatt two, Smith and Jigba three, Quinton Johnson four. So they have the same four names and Keishon Booty five. So they got the same top five. I think that's starting to starting to come to fruition as I think the guys that that the NFL circle might think are the top five receivers in this class. Then I think it really opens up for Kuiper. Cedric Tillman was six. John Domingo out of Ole Miss was seven. Got to get eyes on him. Don't have a lot. Don't have a lot for him. He has Josh Downs at eight, Zay Flowers at nine, and Michael Jefferson at 10. He had Rishi Rice on his just miss, Elijah Higgins on his just miss, Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati on his just miss, and Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma on his just miss. I'm higher on Mims. He'd be a little bit higher on that list for me. Uh, Rishi Rice would be more in that like 10 range, so I could, I'm a little bit more in lockstep with Kuiper on that. Uh, but I like seeing Downs and Flowers uh, you know, where they are on Kuiper's list. I would even have downs a little bit higher. I think he's an explosive player. If if both of them have Jordan Addison as a top 20 player in this draft class, I don't think Josh Downs should be like two rounds later. I think at most it should be like a half a round later. So I think Josh Downs is going to be a top 50 pick. If Wanda Robinson was, a t- it was the 45th pick in the draft or whatever it was last year, uh, I think Josh Downs is going to be a top 50 pick, especially in the year that I don't think the wide receivers are as strong as years past. Uh, I like Downs' explosiveness. A lot of guys who are really good in the slot, uh, which I think is what makes Quinton Johnson really intriguing as a guy who could develop to be the number one wide receiver in this class because I think he's starting to be the profile of the best outside X wide receiver in this draft class. Uh, you know, And he can play inside. He, he's versatile, do a lot of different things. Uh, so wide receivers, I think has been the one that, you know, the names are still the same. We don't, you know, booties dropped a little bit. Smith and the jig was dropped a little bit. Jalen Hyatt's been the surprise, but they've kind of, you know, I feel like some of the guys have held, held firm all year. You know, we saw Addison was high preseason and so was Smith and the jig, so was Quinton Johnson. So was booty. So was Cedric Tillman. So was Josh Downs. They're still in the list of everyone. Guys who've risen up are Rishi Rice. Uh, you know, I think he's been Zay Flowers has has, has rebounded this year nicely. Uh, so I think there'll be some intriguing round two, round three type guys after you know, four or five of these guys will get pushed up to round one. It's possible Addison Hyatt, Smith and the Jig, but Quinton Johnson, Kish and Booty get pushed into round one. I think I would say more comfortably, those five guys are probably in the top 40, top 50. Uh, I'm not sure we have like you know, a ton of wide receivers in round one. I could see us having four maybe in round one and then a couple early round two uh, in terms of how strong some other positions are. And let's round it out with, with the tight end group. Uh, things that stood out, both of them have Michael Mayer at number one. Uh, Dane has Darnell Washington out of Georgia as his number 22 overall player. And that's just fascinating. I like Darnell Washington. I talked about him before the season started, but to see a guy who's mostly used in college as exclusively a blocker, but there's a lot of athleticism and untapped pass catching ability that Georgia just doesn't need to utilize to see him have him that high is intriguing, but Kuiper has him at number three. So both of those guys are really high. Uh, Dane also has Tucker craft at South Dakota state at number 33. He's been high on him since before the season started. He's fifth on Mel's list, so I think you're talking about a guy who's probably squarely in the day two mix, maybe round two mix, maybe early to mid-round two. We'll see. I think Michael Mayer is the only one that ends up going round one, and then I think you're looking at guys like Darnell Washington, Tucker Craft, and Luke Musgrave. Uh, those are probably the guys, you know, you know, Mel Kuyper has Luke Musgrave at number two. He has Darnell Washington at three, you know, and then Tucker Craft at five. Uh, he has Dalton Kincaid at number four, where – 
you know, uh, Dane has Dalton Kincaid as he's just missed outside the top 50, his third guy he mentions. So I think Mayer, Washington, Kraft, Musgrave, and Kincaid, they seem to kind of be solidifying as maybe the, the top five tight ends in this class, which, you know, Luke Musgrave, not a lot of receiving production. They're in a Washington, not a lot of receiving production. Mayer and Kraft have it. Kincaid has it at spots. Uh, Sam Laporta probably comes in as like, you know, number six or seventh on most people's lists. But I think you're going to see this year, I think you're going to see Michael Mayer go round one. I think you have a shot to see Washington and Kraft maybe go round two-ish. Luke Musgrave there in the mix, maybe round three. Kincaid, maybe late round three or early round four. And then those other guys like Sam Laporta is Mel's number six tight end. Seven is Cameron Latou out of Alabama. Number eight is Cade uh, Stover out of Ohio State. I'll return to him in a second. Number nine, Davis Allen out of Clemson. Number 10, Will Mallory out of Florida. You know, Cade Stover is an interesting one because he was on Dane's just missed top 52. So Cade Stover, I think positional switch from the defensive side, really intriguing player that I got to get some eyes on because, you know, this is a guy who looks like he's, ticketed for day two potentially somewhere in round three or, or or early day three so Cade Stover is a really intriguing player I would say guys that after reading these lists and 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 stuff guys I want to get eyes on are, are Cade Stover at the tight end position for sure at the wide receiver position uh a deeper dive on Jalen Hyatt to get a real comfortable read on him uh Jonathan Mingo Michael Jefferson and then at the running back list Kendra Miller and at the quarterback list, uh, Max Dugan. So a couple of LSU guys there in Dugan and Kendry Miller. Uh, a little bit deeper dive on Jalen Hyatt, just so I feel comfortable. I kind of know who he is and, and where I want to pencil him in, but I want to do a little deeper dive. Uh, I want to get some eyes on Jonathan Mingo. And then the tight end position, I think Cade Stover is the big one in terms of where he is going to fall due to his athleticism and his upside. Uh, so there it is kind of the status of where we're at now. I'm recording this on November 7th, Monday night. I I think things are starting to settle down, but I still think there's going to be a lot of movement. I still think how the top of the quarterback board shakes out. Is it Bryce Young? Is it CJ Stroud? Is it Will Levis? You know, how does that play itself out? Because I think there's questions with each of them. Uh, does Anthony Richardson declare? And if so, how high does he go? You know, we thought last year Malik Willis can go round one. Do we think Anthony Richardson is a far superior prospect to Malik Willis? I think he's a better prospect. I think he's got more raw tools. There's things that I've seen Anthony Richardson do in terms of growing and and progressions that I didn't see Malik Willis do. We saw Anthony Richardson have some moments against good SEC teams. We didn't see that in Malik Willis. So I like him more than Malik Willis. Uh, He's the most exciting of the quarterback prospects for fantasy, bar none. So I'm hoping he declares in that regard. But I think Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, those are kind of kind of the guys that I think bring the most intrigue after how does the young Stroud Levis uh, shake itself out. I think those are kind of crystallizing as probably the top five with the most intrigue and then add in guys like Tanner McGee and Jerron Hall, uh, those are probably the names we're talking about as the first six or seven quarterbacks to come off the board if they declare. I think running back, things have kind of crystallized to B. John and Jameer Gibbs at one, two with A. Chain at number three. Then I think it's really open. I think, you know, you have Zach Evans, you have Sean Tucker, you have Deuce Vaughn and Blake Corum, you have Zach Charbonnet. I think those are the guys who will make up most people's 
four through 10. And, you know, a lot of those guys will be in most people's four through 10s. And then there'll be some other guys mixed in there as well. But I think that's starting to crystallize a little bit. And then we just talked about the tight end position. I, I think, I think we're locked in with Mayer at one. I think Darnell Washington and Tucker Craft are probably the next two you're going to see on most people's boards, you know, and then, then you start mixing in uh, Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, and then keep an eye on Cade Stover uh, out of Ohio State. And then at the wide receiver position, I think that's where we've had as much change, right? Because it seemed like Smith Najigba and Keishan Booty had kind of been locked in at one, two. And, and now I don't think that's the case. I think Jordan Addison can go up to be the first one taken. I think Quinton Johnson would be my favorite if I had to pick one right now to go number one. Uh, but you got Quinton Johnson, you got Jordan Addison, you got Smith and the Jigba, you know, those are the guys. And now you add Jalen Hyde to the mix, the, the upside of, of Keishan Booty. I think those are, are starting to crystallize as maybe the top five receivers. So those are, besides Jalen Hyatt, the other four were the, the, the guys we expected. So there hasn't been a, a ton of change. I think maybe it's just been Najigba and Booty moving down a little bit, Addison and Quinton Johnson moving into the mix with those two, and then Jalen Hyde coming out of nowhere. And then after that, I think you start getting into the Josh Downs, uh, the, his explosive ability, uh, Cedric Tillman, Rishi Rice, you know, those are the guys that make up probably the day two type guys. Obviously, more than that will go on day two. Uh, you know, some, we might have 12, 13, 14, 15 receivers in the top three rounds. So there'll be some other guys, but I think we kind of know who the top five-ish are. And then it kind of opens up to some of these other guys like Rice and Tillman, Downs, Flowers, you know, and, and that'll be probably where those would be the guys going somewhere day two, whether it's round two or round three. So, I think things starting to come into focus a little bit. Obviously, a lot will change during the home stretch of the the last third of the college football season. A lot of big games still to be played in terms of championship week, in terms of the rest of the regular season, and then obviously playoffs and bowl games. So I think things will, you know, we'll get a better clarity and maybe revisit, you know, the stat, the landscape a little bit sometime in December before we start getting you know, uh, start turning our attention in early January to like senior bowls and, and shrine bowl games. Uh, we'll kind of revisit this to see if there's been a lot of movement and change. Has there been some new names that emerged? Uh, has been some guys maybe faltered back? Well, by then we'll start having some senior bowl lists and, and stuff like that. So it'll be fun process. And we'll start to get a read as the season winds down for some people on whether guys go back to school or not, right? You know, I think it's pretty safe to say, you know, Van Dyke is not going to be declaring. And he was a guy that some people thought, you know, myself included, could be a late round one guy. So Van Dyke's going to be back. Like, is, does Anthony Richardson follow suit? So we'll we'll see. Is there other guys that rise up? There hasn't been a, a lot of guys that I say, OK, I want to get in and do a deep dive. I want to go a little deeper in Hendon Hooker. I want to go a little deeper in Jalen Hyatt. want to go a little deeper in Kate Stover. You know, couple other guys but and once i go deeper these guys will be added to the scouting notebook for sure uh and we will continue to, to talk about these each and every week in the nfl draft stock report hopefully jeff's back with me next week uh and i'm sure he'll have some takes it'll be a couple weeks uh since he had been on air talking college football guys uh so that should be fun if you're enjoying what we're doing here please get over to the website ss football is the best uh, an easiest way to get to the site, check out the premium content tab. And for $9.99, you get access to all our premium content. You get the scouting notebook, almost 100 player profiles, deep, detailed scouting reports in there. 
more will be added. Things will be added and updated dramatically as the season unwinds. And then right after the season ends, you get the rankings notebook, which has all our different rankings in it for fantasy, for Devi, for draft eligible. Our draft eligible tiered rankings will come out after the season. We keep up our dynasty rookie rankings, even as they partake in their rookie years, we're updating them. Uh, then we do new rookie rankings after the new draft class. We have our dynasty overall positional rankings, uh, you know, a lot in there. And then obviously you get the draft projections notebook in April as well. It is the best way to support the show, $9.99. Please consider checking it out if you've been a longtime listener but never have purchased the premium uh, notebooks. So on behalf of Dave, Nakano, our sound and tech engineer, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.